Hello everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Mic'd Up with MIC. I am Rohan, and along with Tabish, I'll be covering the topic for today's discussion, that is understanding development consulting. We have with us today a very esteemed guest who has agreed to help us out in demystifying this profession for our listeners. Miss Kinshu Sardania is an alum of Shahid Sukhdev College of Business Studies. Post CPS, she worked with McKinsey and Company for almost two years. before joining isb hyderabad for her mba for the past 2 years she has been working with dalberg advisors as a consultant so let's jump in and try and find out more about her journey uh, hello kinshu we are glad to have you here with us and we can't wait to jump right in so why don't you start by telling us something about yourself and your journey till now Uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to quickly introduce myself. Um, I was CBS class of 2016. Um, I did BMS there, and then I had a campus placement to McKinsey. I joined MCKC. Um, in particular, I joined their uh, financial services team, um, and there I worked for roughly two years, a little under two years, um, before I uh, went on to pursue my MBA at ISB. um at isp i was part of the ylp program which essentially means that i had a isb admission when i was in the final year um so from cbs i had a deferred uh, two year admission and so i did two years at mckinsey and then i went on to isp so it was kind of um very pre planned um since i was in college um and then after isp i joined uh, an impact consulting firm called dalberg advisors So, uh, actually, talking about Dalberg advisors is actually somewhere where a lot of our viewers, so uh, our our viewers of this podcast, are mostly undergraduate students, and people have a lot of uh, you know attach a lot of aspirational value into consulting and development consulting for that matter. But I feel that there is not much light that's thrown into this area. So, could you please, from your from your experience at Dalberg advisors, could you please shed a light into what is development consulting overall, and what is it that in your journey that coming from McKinsey, what is it that in your journey that Got you so attracted to this career path? Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, no, I think that's a useful question to ask, and it's an area that's often underexplored. Um, Dev consulting, in short, is just uh, you know any consultant or any consulting firm um, that works in the in the development sector. um and what that essentially entails is anything that improves standards of living um of populations globally um could count um and just to give you an example anything related to diversity and inclusion sustainability water and sanitation gender education healthcare etc um comes under the ambit um one important nuance um that people might want to keep in mind is is compared to the the more commercial or the you know as people like to call them management consulting firms um here the objective is often not profit maximization um it's definitely a for profit sector um but uh, there is this uh, you know there is this belief that we need to keep impact above profits um so that's a little bit about dev consulting um and what got me interested in this space uh, you know might be you know might be slightly different so aside from the obvious of um, i want to work in such an important sector and you know very need of the hour i was primarily attracted to dalberg after isb because of two key reasons um the first one was uh, i was really interested in consulting and working on complex problem statements um, and i felt 
a firm like Dahlberg allowed me to do that over others. Um, what I mean by that is I'd already sort of worked on the, you know, templatized uh, projects around um, cost cutting, sales acceleration, profit maximization, etc. at McKinsey. Um, and I don't mean every project is the same, but there is still a, you know, at least the projects that I worked on uh, followed a kind of a narrative. Um, but at Dahlberg, every project is very, very unique. Um, till date, I mean, I've worked on several projects over two years, um, but I'm yet to find a project where I can apply you know, something that I, you know, a framework that I developed in another project. So uh, it just the complexity of problem statements um, and the creativity it would provide to my, to my, like my problem solving abilities and be um, just exponential growth. Um, so this is a sector that was at that time, um, very small, but growing really, really fast. Um, um, and I just saw an opportunity that would uh, give me that kind of growth that would otherwise take a slightly more number of years to achieve. Um, so these three reasons, first, complexity and problem statements, second, growth, and third, um, just the importance of the work that we're doing and the kind of impact, that's primarily what got me interested. Does that answer your question? Yes, Kinshu, definitely. Um, so you mentioned problem statements, right, and how they differ from management consulting. So could you Tell us more about the kind of problem statements that you worked on and the kind of clientele that impact consulting firms work with, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take the second question first. Uh, I think against common belief, the clientele can be any and everybody. Um, as commonly believed, it's definitely NGOs and philanthropic organizations such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, the Rockefeller Foundation, etc., um, then it's uh, governments, uh, state governments, national governments, etc. Um, then it's some of these multilaterals. So, so the UN agencies, some of the DFIs, um, DFIs can be the ADB, Asian Development Bank, African Development Bank, World Bank, IFC, etc. Um, and then finally, uh, it's also some of the corporate sector. For instance, uh, I've also served Google as one of the clients. Um, so it can be, I think, uh, you know, any organization that's working in the in the sector. Um, and coming to some of the problem statements that I've worked in, um, I think my projects have spanned um, private sector mobilization, investing for development, financial inclusion, gender, water and sanitation, etc. Um, but let me take uh, maybe two examples to elaborate a little bit on what it essentially means. Um, one of the broader statements, my problem statement was as wide as uh, a United States donor government um, has uh, you know, signed a bilateral agreement um, with the national government of a Southeast Asian nation. Um, and they have X many dollars to, you know, X many million dollars to spend. Uh, what is the best use of that money so as to bring about economic growth in that country um, in a sustainable and scalable manner? Um, so, you know, the first part of the project was as wide as what can lead to economic growth in this particular country. Um, it's a developing country. Then the second layer of problem statement was, okay, now that we've identified, for instance, in our case, um, let's just take MSMEs as an example. We identified that this country is 
you know, has maximum GDP contribution and maximum employment generated by MSMEs. So then the then the problem statement then becomes how do you you know boost the MSMEs in the country? And then you know you trickle down, trickle down, and then finally what I ended up solving was how do you improve access to finance for MSMEs in that country? Um, as wide as that. Um, similarly. Um, on the other hand, I also have projects which are slightly more narrow, right? Um, and what I mean by that is, let's take the example of ADB, the Asian Development Bank. I was serving them um, for a call to action catalytic piece for the banking sector in India. Um, so this was in uh, 2019, around the time that the Swachh Bharat mission, um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with that, was ending. Um, and then the question was, okay, government subsidies and toilet making initiatives can only take us so far, right? How do you keep the sanitation momentum going? How do you ensure that people, you know, people are still using toilets and et cetera? Um, and then we identified access to finance as an issue. So we worked with ADB and banks and, you know, microfinance institutions to, uh, to come up with a sanitation loan product. Um, and then we did the whole research around delivery, you know, when is it profitable? When is it not? Who should do it? What's the market size, etc.? The classic stuff that you do. Um, so these are two examples. I've also, uh, you know, worked on projects for um, to design a stockpile. So, for instance, in light of the COVID pandemic, um, there are many countries rethinking the stockpiling strategy. Right. So I advised another Southeast Asian. Um, country to think about what should go in that stockpile, how big should that stockpile be, etc. Um, so these are just, uh, you know, some examples of the range of projects that we do. And these are just the ones that I've worked on. Um, the ones that I haven't worked on, um, there's, there's just no end to it. I can go on and on. This sounds really interesting, Kinshul. So there is one myth that we've heard that surrounds development consulting. It's that the pay grade in development consulting firms, it's not as much as the pay grade that's there in, let's say, a conventional management consulting firm, right? And now that you've broken the myth around development consulting firms, not necessarily working with uh, philanthropic organizations. So what do you feel about this? Mm, yeah, no, I would say that's a fair concern. And I think it's very important for people to understand that deaf consulting is not actually excluded from management consulting. So in a way, there are a lot of overlaps. So for instance, on one hand, in management consulting, you're advising the CEO of a company on, say, the next five or 10 year vision of that company. Here, you might be advising, say, the head of a philanthropy um, on their vision of how they should spend that money. Or you could even be advising a company like Uniqlo, for example, on their sustainability strategies. So how do you how do they sort of use water more optimally? How do they source their cotton better, etc.? Um, and in both scenarios, there are organizations that pay. Um, for me to talk about the entire deaf sector um, because it does include a lot of grassroots NGOs and unfortunately the pay situation over there might not be as bad. But let me speak just about Dalberg and, and Dalberg is very, very clear um, in its motive that it's first and foremost a, a consulting firm that's working in the deaf sector, not a deaf firm that's working in the, in the consulting sector. And so what that allows us to do is it allows us to sort of 
charge decent profits and, and get away with it. So as I was alluding to earlier, it's not profit maximizing. So yes, um, if you after the MDB salary, um, you might have to take a little bit of a pay cut. Um, but having said that, it's still still quite competitive. Um, um, and happy to sort of connect with anybody offline if uh, anybody wants to discuss this further. But I would still say that, uh, you know, at least in deaf consulting, PSP uh, is not something that people should be worried about that much um, if they're looking to make some solid impact and, and learn a lot. That actually makes a lot of sense. So actually, when you were listing down the problem statements that you worked on, like BS students, you know, we just graduated out of college. And there is actually a lot of gap between the stuff that we learned in our classrooms and applications like this, the real life applications where you're putting them into work, where nations are deciding based on recommendations that you put in front of them. So I think just from what the problem statements and from what the basics that we were listening, there's actually a big gap that exists from what our academia and everything that revolves around court, you know the books that we learn and when you get into a job role like this so what are the the skill sets that you would that you would advise on people to develop to break into such a sector or the things that we should you know how do we bridge that gap as students in this sector uh, okay so um i would think about uh, your question in two ways um i think the first one is just around the whole hard skill set. So this includes both the any software, you know, um, as well as any soft skills that you might have. Um, and the second part, which is, I think, what you're alluding to slightly more is the whole content area expertise part. Um, do I know enough about healthcare to go ahead and, you know, give a provide, healthcare provider recommendations, et cetera. Um, the first one is easier to do. Um, and especially for people who may already be aspirants of uh, consulting in general. Um, and if, you know, if you're somebody who started your case prep and your guesstimate prep, et cetera, uh, I think all of that is sorted. Um, I don't think you need to do anything extra for the dev sector. Um, at the end of the day, you will have your case interview. You, you know, your CVs will need to have the three main sections that any consulting CV needs to have, et cetera. Um, so it's not very different from any, uh, you know, average consulting. Um, you still need to practice your frameworks, et cetera. Um, you still need to know PPT, a little bit of Excel, um, et cetera. And if you don't know this, they'll teach you on the job. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. On the second one, um, this is where I would sort of introspect a little bit so as to why I want to do dev sector and not any other consulting firm, right? Um, uh, let me get the elephant out of the room first. Uh, you don't need to be an expert on education or gender or healthcare, etc. I don't need you to, you know, rectify all the laws that have come out or be an activist and have your social media dedicated to promoting a cause. Um, it's nothing like that. Um, and maybe I can share my own example. Um, over here, after ISB, I was completely business, profit, loss, etc. Um, and of course, I knew what was happening. I kept a track of current affairs, but I wasn't in any way an, an expert. Um, and that's also something that I sort of told them in my interview when they asked me, you know, what gets you interested in deaf consulting? And I was very clear that, look, I don't know. Um, these are the three reasons that I shared earlier um, in the session that these are the three reasons why I want to join. Um, you let me know if this works. This is an experiment for me. Um, but I am willing to learn, right? Um, and just having that uh, that uh, that willingness to learn, that always being eager to absorb as much as you can, I think that 
is a soft skill that's sort of most important um, and very very undervalued. Um, and in consulting, what happens is every say every two weeks or, or not sorry not two weeks every two months almost you're working on a different sector with a different kind of client with a completely new team that you've never seen before possibly. Um, and what's important is you will get those you know two three days at the beginning to quickly read up as much as you can and come up to it. And if you can do that. Um, and be willing to iterate on your solutions. I think that's all. Right. All right. Uh, Kinshu, another question that I have here that is more, uh, let's say, uh, restricted to the undergraduate uh, students. What exactly is a suitable entry path to the development consulting sector for an undergraduate? And since we don't really see a lot of uh, campus placements happening as such from these big firms, do you think that there is a convenient path for an undergraduate to prepare and apply to these firms? Yeah. Um, if I were to speak more tactfully, I think there are two, two or three main mediums by which, uh, you know, if I imagine myself going back to CBS four years earlier, this is what I, I could have accessed and it still works, right? The first one is, uh, of course, campus placements. If the company is coming to your campus, watch out for it, do your homework, read the GD, learn about the company, you know, don't apply just because it's another one that's that's come. Um, and then that just maximizes your chances of getting through. So that's the best way. Um, the second way is uh, is more off of the more off campus way, and then the off campus way also happens in multiple ways, right? The first one is if there is an opening, um, and given that uh, the sphere is so small, um, a lot of times I know Dalberg, uh, you know, did an did an off campus hiring at CBS last year, but this might not always happen. Um, and there are also you know several other firms that might not come to campus, so stop their websites, um, stop their LinkedIn pages, um, Facebook pages, wherever you think the company is slightly more active. Um, and keep on keep an eye out for openings. So all of these companies have an analyst position. Um, and so just keep an eye out whenever something is open, apply on their website, you know, apply on the links given on their LinkedIn, etc. Uh, and that's a great foot in the door, right? Um, the second option is also just like you keeping track of the company, keep track of the people. Um, every organization will have few of its people, especially the smaller ones, um, especially in the dev sector, who are slightly more active on LinkedIn. Um, and so if you're not very good at sort of checking the website every month or something, that's okay. Follow these people. And if there's like an opening, they usually post on their LinkedIn, post on their Twitter, uh, you know, whatever, whatever medium suits you. Um, and that's how you get to know. Um, but also build networks, right? Um, if by following people, it's also a function of the kind of network you have. Are, are you connected to those people on your LinkedIn or not, etc. Um, and uh, be unashamed to ask people. I think a lot of opportunities that have come my way um, haven't come because you know somebody floated an email and said, we're looking. It's come because I've gone to people saying, you know, this is my profile, this is what I'm interested in, what do you think, um, you know, or, or if you like it, it can be discussed, um, and being super unafraid to reach out to people, I know it's very scary, I've been through the whole thing, you know, there's this whole nervousness around what will the person think, will they reply to me or not, etc., um, 
And the only thing that I will say to that is that the sooner you get rid of that fear and the sooner you start accepting rejection and not taking it personally, I think that will open a lot of doors. It, it did for me. All right. That's actually really great to hear since all of us have been through this phase and I'm sure that it will help a lot of people. I just have a follow-up question to this since we're talking about undergraduate students here. Uh, right now in almost all top and uh, top undergraduate colleges, uh, Inactus is a big name, right? And you also, <laughs> yes. I, believe, I believe you also, when you were in CBS, you were yes. a part of Inactus. So mm. there's also this common myth that's attached to dev consulting roles that if you've been a part of such, let's say, social entrepreneurship clubs or societies, it gives you a better chance to you know get into a dev consulting firm. So how true yeah. is that? And how... how <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say two things to that. First is it's a good to have, but it's not a necessity. Um, there are so many people in Dalbok um from DU, you know, we do a lot of hiring from SRCC, LSR, Stephens, etc., outside of the IITs. Um, and a lot of people actually, you know, they haven't been a part of an actress, um, and some have. So I would say it's it's totally fine. What's more important is uh you know, even if you don't have an actors, you show some sort of inclination. Um, and this kind of ties back to my point earlier on the content part. Um, if you're interested in the sector, it's and if you have some way to, you know, um, provide evidence, um, I think that definitely that interest gives you an advantage over other people. That interest can be in any way. It can be in an actress. It can be, you know, in any volunteering activity that you're doing. It can be, you know, a mini project or life project, internship, startup, anything. Uh, as long as you give me some form of an indication that you're interested in the sector. Um, and uh, having screen CVs myself, uh, I can say that I do not, look for an actors. If it's there, it's a good to have. If it's not there, I look for what else gives me an indication of your interest in the sector, um, you know, etc. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing is, is, you know, less from a dev sector standpoint and more from a taking on the hat of an alumni at CBS. Uh, you know, the only tip I have is guys don't select society's basis what works well on your resume or you know what gives you an advantage for the particular company um select societies based on what interests you do things that you've probably never done or you think you probably never do in future or you're super scared of and use college as a very safe risk-free environment to practice to develop to overcome those fears or just to get a new experience or you know, stay connected to an interest you already have, etc. Um, the world is too big, uh, but it's also too small in some ways for us to sort of constantly overthink everything and constantly plan something. I think societies are one thing that just grow us as people and, you know, connect us to friends who we will probably take back to the end of our lifetime. So I think don't overthink societies and internships. Wherever you are, just make the best of it. Um, and just introspect. If not this, uh, you know, if I'm not interested in inactives um, inherently, then why am I interested in the dev sector? Think about that uh, and see if you can bridge that gap in a way. That actually is very inspirational because a lot of times 
you know, the kind of societies that we choose or internships that we take, a lot of students do give it a lot of thought more than, you know, just mm. like you were saying, you know, we, we are actually very concerned. Are we getting the right brand? Are we getting the right profile? Is the work that we do to back end? Yeah. And a lot of questions like that. Like, I remember a couple of us, you know, in this previous podcast series that we had, uh, we had people discussing on how generally working with startups also makes sense. And, you know, that gives mm. us a lot of learning. So, so, you know, Kinsho, in your journey, so I just wanted to ask, like, you know, in your journey of, you know, your college or, you know, even before at McKinsey or anywhere in your journey so far, in this career that you've made so far, is there something that you would want to go back and change and probably do something different than the way you currently, how it panned out? <laughs> yeah, the question of a, of a millionaire, this is my favorite question to ask to people I'm interviewing also, but one of the most difficult to answer. Um, and I'm not being diplomatic, honestly, I'm not, but I wouldn't change anything. Um, and everything that I've done or not done even um, has brought me where I am and, and I'm quite content about that. Um, but I get the spirit of the question and maybe I can share a few things that I could have been a little more mindful of for people in general. And I think that will only sort of benefit. I see no harm coming out of it. Um, and some things are, I think, just bridging the information asymmetry. There's just so much information out there. There are so many opportunities out there. One, we don't know about it. Um, so read up, you know, talk to people, uh, watch webinars, uh, you know, etc. I mean, there are there are a thousand ways one can do this. Um, so mm-hmm. get yourself up to speed. Don't rely on the five people immediately around you and what they're saying and what direction the wind is blowing. It's okay to you know go against the tide. Just just get yourself up to date and be more aware. And second is just be unafraid to get those opportunities. So first is knowing about those opportunities, but also second is having enough confidence in your own profile, your own CV, in your own knowledge experiences to be able to say that, yes, let me apply for this position. If I get in, great. You know, if I don't get in, that's also okay. Not take things personally, but also I think these are the two things. If I had a little more of myself, um, I don't know if I would be somewhere else, but I, I think my definite my journey definitely would have been uh, smoother. Right, uh, Kinsha, I think you've already answered my next question, but this is a template that we follow every time, so I think I'll just go with it. So, what would be an advice? to let's say a younger you at CBS you know after being through everything mm. what would it be like one advice very frank very you know to the point mm. if, if there's something mm. let me think about it one second I don't want to repeat what I said last time I think my only advice to my younger self would be to not overthink too much uh, you know, I am an insane planner. I mean, ever since, you know, I gave my GMAT in my final year, then I knew very clearly I'm going to McKinsey, then I knew very clearly after two years I'm going to ISB. Then before I even went to ISB, I was very clear these are the three companies that I want to go into. Dalberg was one of them and I got into Dalberg. So I've planned everything, you know, to the insane length of however much I could plan it. Um, but sometimes I think that was just me overdoing things quite a bit. And, and you know, I, I, if, I, if I could go back and tell my younger self to relax a little bit, to have, you know, to have fun, to not plan everything, to not overthink uh, every little thing anybody said or did or, you know, um, I think I would have 
made a lot more of my college journey so right now i've definitely made a career out of my cbs journey um but you know developing my personality for instance i really wanted to do work street play society but i was super scared of it because i was just like there is no way you know i'm going to be able to uh, you know talk about controversial things in you know in hindi in a group of people in delhi heart and i was just like so scared about it and i didn't do um i wish i could have just like taken the plunge and like not thought about it so just joined work for example um so, so i don't know how much of an advice that is but that's just a little bit of a live introspection from me also no definitely i think uh, you it happens to the best of us i'll be really honest and i think cbs is one college where it's mostly about making a career out of your college yeah. than a, you know than a personality but uh, it's glad to hear it from you because when we get people like you to talk about these things uh, it's great if listeners who are in their first year or their second year they hear about this and then they start looking at things apart from their cv and apart from their you know future plans and they just think and they sort of introspect for a while that okay what if i like playing the guitar if i like if i you know if i like theater so why don't i just go ahead and give it a try while at the same sure. time so sure. that's great can show oh i think tavish uh, this was it or is there anything else no it was actually really great to you know get a lot of insights into this because to be honest very frankly for me dev consulting has been everything that just like inchu said it's shaped out of what in actors or probably you know these societies have shaped up but getting a real insight to how to what scale you know this industry is actually impacting i just have this one final question in the coming years kinshu where uh, do you see yourself continuing in the development sector or do you have uh, some other plans just a uh, you know something that nobody else here probably mentioned that you know some career plans that you have in the longer run yeah yeah um no that's a good question um like i said when i joined dalberg i did not it was a risk that i took um it was like i don't know whether i like it or not um but i want to change i want to test myself or challenge myself and also do some impact along the way and and so dalberg happened for me um but i'm happy to share now that it's been shaping up quite well for me and at least right now i mean i can't talk about myself five years later but at least right now i i do want to stay in the sector because i see the need now there is just you know so much to be done for climate change so much to be done for gender for health care um you know if there any topic and there's just so much to be done um and there is a need but there is also a lack of awareness i mean people don't know about it uh, people don't know these things are even needed um and so it's very important for someone um especially people who come from the kind of backgrounds that we have we do have a little bit of a private sector in uh, sort of um understanding that we can go in and bridge the gap we can take two different ends of the spectrum and be like no there is opportunity and need for two of you to meet um the grassroots ngos or anybody who's you know working on sustainable energy needs financing um and all the investors out there are like we don't know if it's profitable but there is need for somebody to come in and say no it climate change can be profitable and and this is how you can make it happen um and i think this is a very very underexplored space with a lot of opportunity not just 
for the sector to grow, but also for us as employees and founders and managers to grow. Um, and then I do see myself being in that intersection at least for the next few years. That's great. That's great. That's, we're very happy to know that, you know, considering that to do something and to give back something to the society. And, you know, it's actually somewhere that we all aspire to, you know, contribute our own shares in that. It was actually great to talk to you, Kinshu. It was great. We have a lot of learning from this. And I hope the, uh, the listeners of this also have something to take away. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Kinshu. Me and Rohan are very happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for, for hosting me and uh, glad uh, you guys are getting the conversation going. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Thank you, Ginshu.